For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Philippians 1, verses 19-20 Howdy, I'm Brian and welcome back to my Bible study podcast. This is episode 13 already in a series that I'm titling Worldly Hevel, Joy in Christ, a concurrent study of the books of Ecclesiastes and Philippians. It's a series about identity and lasting joy. You see, in Hebrew, the word hevel literally means vapor or mist. It's used 30 plus times in the book of Ecclesiastes to describe something that appears solid and fulfilling. But like mist, that vanishes from our grasp without ever providing lasting fulfillment. Often, hevel is used in close proximity with the phrase chasing after the wind. It's a term used to represent the things that we often try to find fulfillment in. Things like money, sex, possessions, our jobs, or our popularity. But chasing these things for fulfillment is like chasing after the wind. You will never be fully content you'll be robbed of ever finding true joy. Seeking things of this world to fulfill you will result in frustration and wondering what the point of all of our toil under the sun is. So the author of Ecclesiastes offers an alternative. Instead of following this world, fear God, apply godly wisdom to your life, and live obediently to the word of God. The Greek word for joy, a word that shows up in the book of Philippians, is chara. Matthew 2.10 talks about the chara of the wise men. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Matthew 13.44, in the parable of the hidden treasure, Jesus mentions chara, so the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Luke 15.7 speaks about the chara in heaven over repentance. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. In John 15 verses 9 through 11, we are told of the chara of Jesus that he desires to fill us with. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. All of these mentions of joy are reflecting on something that's long-lasting. The joy in heaven, Jesus' joy, the joy he desires in us, this joy is not reflective of something fleeting or something that fails to deliver. This is a fulfilling joy. Today we're just covering two verses in the book of Philippians. Chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. It should be a pretty short episode. I pray that today we can tie identity in Christ to joy and contentment, but also link back to the last episode when we talked about the perfect timing and the absolute sovereignty of God. (laughs) 
So some context before we dive into our two verses of the day. Directly before this passage, in verses 12 through 18, we see Paul rejoicing, even while he's in prison, because the name of Jesus is being proclaimed to the lost, and also because other Christians have become even more emboldened in their faith. They're using that boldness to further the gospel to people who have never heard it before. Paul's joy is in Christ and Christ's name being proclaimed. Directly after this passage, we're going to read maybe the most famous verse in the book of Philippians. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul declares that he's going to have peace and contentment in whatever the outcome of this current worldly situation that he's in is because his identity is not in the things of this world. Today's passage bridges those two statements about joy and contentment, and they speak of hope, courage, honor, and the sovereign control of our one true God. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Philippians 1.19 So here Paul acknowledges that it's not about him. Paul acknowledges that he is in need of the prayers of people and in need of the Spirit of Christ. Paul actually frequently asks for prayers from the recipients of his letters. He does it here in Philippians 1.19. In Romans 15.30, he calls for them to strive together with him in their prayers. In 2 Corinthians 1.11, he pleads with the church at Corinth that you also must help us by prayer. In Colossians 4.3, Paul also, from a prison cell, declares, Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. Then, in 1 Thessalonians 5.25, Paul concludes, Brothers, pray for us. Paul also acknowledges God's divine influence and control over time and events. So this links back to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1-14, through 14, and last episode, where Solomon showed us that trusting in our own control of situations is a path to disappointment, frustration, and futility but trusting in God's perfect timing, that can provide us unparalleled contentment and peace. So a life that finds identity in Christ finds itself like Paul, humbly recognizing one's need for submission to God. And it also acknowledges God's sovereign control over the universe that God himself created. This will turn out from my deliverance, Paul says at the end of verse 19. But what does Paul mean when talking about deliverance? Was it deliverance from a Roman prison cell? Some commentators think this might be the case. Tony Morita and Francis Chan, they conclude that even though he, Paul, does express his belief that he will be delivered in verses 25 and 26, that doesn't mean that this reference in verse 19 has to mean release from prison. I mean, it could easily mean his deliverance that will occur at his final judgment. The Greek word here can mean salvation, referring to Paul's ultimate salvation through God. Either way, Paul is confident in this, 
that he will one day be free from his current worldly persecution. That one way or the other, Paul knew he would end up being free in Christ. Again, this is about an identity founded in Christ and in the ultimate sovereignty of God. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Philippians 1 verse 20. So today's passage closes with a statement by Paul that, as Adeyemo comments, whatever happens to him, it will be for the sake and glory of Christ. You see, Paul recognized that it's not about him, but about Christ. And because God controls both life and death, that statement is true regardless of how Paul's prison sentence ends up playing out. Paul can take solace in knowing that his life, however long that might last, is to be spent serving and honoring Christ. The NLT translation says that, And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. Other versions might translate the word honor as either magnify or exalt. The Greek word here is literally to declare something as great or to laud and celebrate a thing. So in Luke 1, 46, Mary sings, My soul magnifies the Lord. Acts 10, 46 says that the Gentiles were extolling God or praising and magnifying God. And then in Acts 19, 17, we have that same word declaring that fear fell upon all of them and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. So there's this frozen yogurt spot near us called Sweet Frog. And the frog in Sweet Frog stands for fully rely on God. When you hear that, what does that mean to you? So I guess the application question is kind of a two-parter today. Do you fully and completely rely on Christ? I mean, do you live a life of humble submission to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? His perfect life culminated in his perfect timing on the cross. Because at the right time, Christ died for our sins. Yet in God's absolute sovereignty, the perfect Son of God could not stay dead, and he was raised to life, defeating death and offering eternal life to all who turn and trust in Jesus as the source of their ultimate deliverance, of their eternal salvation. So is Jesus enough for you? Is your heart content chasing after him, or are you fighting to find joy in Jesus and the things of the world. Then the second question is, what does that answer mean for your life right now? Like, can you find solace that your life, and even your eventual earthly death, will honor and glorify Christ? And again, that word in Greek also means to declare something as great and to celebrate that thing. So where is your identity? Is what you declare great in this world and the things that you celebrate most in this world? Hevel, you know, possessions, work, sex, money? Or do you desire to declare Jesus as great? Do you desire to celebrate Jesus as Savior and for him to be more important than all the other things of this world? Thanks for listening. All Bible verses are from the English Standard Version ESV Bible Translation, a copyright 2001 by Crossway, a publishing ministry of Good News Publishers. Next episode, we finish Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and we start chapter 4. Until next time, though, I love y'all.